0: Section 9 of the Book of Ser Marco Polo the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. The Book of Ser Marco Polo the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2. by Barustichello da Pisa. Translated by Henry Yule. Book 2nd. Part 3. Chapters 77-82. to 82. The great city of Kinsay, Of the great yearly revenue that the great Khan hath from Kinsay, of the city of Tanpiju and others, concerning the city of Fuju, of the city and great haven of Zayton. Chapter 77. Further particulars concerning the great city of Kinze. The position of the city is such that it has on one side a lake of fresh and exquisitely clear water already spoken of and on the other a very large river the waters of the latter fill a number of canals of all sizes which run through the different quarters of the city carry away all impurities and then enter the lake whence they issue again and flow to the ocean thus producing a most excellent atmosphere by means of these channels as well as by the streets you can go all about the city Both streets and canals are so wide and spacious that carts on the one and boats on the other can readily pass to and fro, conveying necessary supplies to the inhabitants. At the opposite side of the city is shut in by a channel, perhaps forty miles in length, very wide, and full of water derived from the river aforesaid, which was made by the ancient kings of the country, in order to relieve the river when flooding its banks. This serves also as a defense to the city, and the earth dug from it has been thrown inwards, forming a kind of mound enclosing the city. In this part are the ten principal markets, though besides these there are a vast number of others in the different parts of the town. The former are all squares of half a mile to the side, and along their front passes the main street, which is forty paces in width, and runs straight from end to end of the city, crossing many bridges of easy and commodious approach at every four miles of its length comes one of those great squares of two miles as we have mentioned in compass so also parallel to this great street but at the back of the market places, there runs a very large canal on the bank of which towards the squares are built great houses of stone in which the merchants from india and other foreign parts store their wares to be handy for the markets in each of the squares is held a market three days in the week frequented by forty thousand or fifty thousand persons who bring thither for sale every possible necessary of life, so that there is always an ample supply of every kind of meat and game, as of roebuck, red deer, fallow deer, hares, rabbits, partridges, pheasants, franklins, quails, fowls, capons, and of ducks and geese an infinite quantity, for so many are bred on the lake that for a Venice groat of silver you can have a couple of geese and two couple of ducks. Then there are the shambles, where the larger animals are slaughtered, such as calves, beeves, kids, and lambs, the flesh of which is eaten by the rich and the great dignitaries. Those markets make a daily display of every kind of vegetables and fruits, and among the latter there are in particular certain pears of enormous size, weighing as much as ten pounds apiece, and the pulp of which is white and fragrant like a confection, besides peaches in their season, both yellow and white, of very delicate flavor neither grapes nor wine are produced there but very good raisins are brought from abroad and wine likewise the natives however do not much care about wine being used to that kind of their own made from rice and spices from the ocean sea also come daily supplies of fish in great quantity brought twenty five miles up the river and there is also great store of fish from the lake which is the constant resort of fishermen who have no other business Their fish is of sundry kinds, changing with the season, and, owing to the impurities of the city which pass into the lake, it is remarkably fat and savoury. Any one who should see the supply of fish in the market would suppose it impossible that such a quantity could ever be sold. And yet in a few hours the whole shall be cleared away. So great is the number of inhabitants who are accustomed to delicate living. Indeed, they eat fish and flesh at the same meal." All the ten marketplaces are encompassed by lofty houses, and below these are shops where all sorts of crafts are carried on, and all sorts of wares are on sale, including spices and jewels and pearls. Some of these shops are entirely devoted to the sale of wine made from rice and spices, which is constantly made fresh and fresh, and is sold very cheap. Certain of the streets are occupied by the women of the town, who are in such a number that I dare not say what it is. They are found not only in the vicinity of the marketplaces, where usually a quarter is assigned to them, but all over the city. They exhibit themselves splendidly attired and abundantly perfumed, in finely garnished houses with trains of waiting women. These women are extremely accomplished in all the arts of allurement, and readily adapt their conversation to all sorts of persons, insomuch that strangers who have once tasted their attractions seem to get bewitched, and are so taken with their blandishments and their fascinating ways that they can never get these out of their heads hence it comes to pass that when they return home they say they have been to kinze or the city of heaven and their only desire is to get back thither again other streets are occupied by the physicians and by the astrologers who are also teachers of reading and writing and an infinity of other professions have their places round about these squares in each of the squares there are two great palaces facing one another in which are established the officers appointed by the king to decide differences arising between merchants or other inhabitants of the quarter it is the daily duty of these officers to see that the guards are at their posts on the neighboring bridges and to punish them at their discretion if they are absent all along the main street that we have spoken of as running from end to end of the city both sides are lined with houses and great palaces and the gardens pertaining to them whilst in the intervals are the houses of tradesmen engaged in their different crafts. The crowd of people that you meet here at all hours, passing this way and that on their different errands, is so vast that no one would believe it possible that victuals enough could be provided for their consumption, unless they should see how, on every market day, all those squares are thronged and crammed with purchasers, and with the traders who have brought in stores of provisions by land or water, and everything they bring in is disposed of. To give you an example of the vast consumption in this city, let us take the article of pepper. And that will enable you in some measure to estimate what must be the quantity of victual, such as meat, wine, groceries, which have to be provided for the general consumption. Now Monsieur Marco heard it stated by one of the great Khan's officers of customs that the quantity of pepper introduced daily for consumption into the city of kinze amounted to 43 loads, each load being equal to 223 pounds. THE HOUSES OF THE CITIZENS ARE WELL BUILT AND ELABORATELY FINISHED, AND THE DELIGHT THEY TAKE IN DECORATION, IN PAINTING, AND IN ARCHITECTURE, LEADS THEM TO SPEND IN THIS WAY SUMS OF MONEY THAT WOULD ASTONISH YOU. THE NATIVES OF THE CITY ARE MEN OF PEACEFUL CHARACTER, BOTH FROM EDUCATION AND FROM THE EXAMPLE OF THEIR KINGS, WHOSE DISPOSITION WAS THE SAME. THEY KNOW NOTHING OF HANDLING ARMS, AND KEEP NONE IN THEIR HOUSES. YOU HEAR OF NO FEUDS OR NOISY QUARRELS OR DISSENSIONS OF ANY KIND AMONG THEM both in their commercial dealings and in their manufactures, they are thoroughly honest and truthful, and there is such a degree of good will and neighbourly attachment among both men and women, that you would take the people who live in the same street to be all one family. And this familiar intimacy is free from all jealousy or suspicion of the conduct of their women. These they treat with the greatest respect, and a man who would presume to make loose proposals to a married woman would be regarded as an infamous rascal." They also treat the foreigners who visit them for the sake of trade with great cordiality and entertain them in the most winning manner, affording them every help and advice on their business. But on the other hand they hate to see soldiers, and not least of those of the great Khan's garrisons, regarding them as the cause of their having lost their native kings and lords. On the lake of which we have spoken there are numbers of boats and barges of all sizes for parties of pleasure. They will hold ten, fifteen, twenty or more persons. And are from fifteen to twenty paces in length, with flat bottoms and ample breadth of beam, so that they always keep their level. Any one who desires to go a pleasuring with the women, or with a party of his own sex, hires one of these barges, which are always to be found completely furnished with tables and chairs and all the other apparatus for a feast the roof forms a level deck on which the crew stand and pole the boat along whithersoever may be desired for the lake is not more than two paces in depth the inside of this roof and the rest of the interior is covered with ornamental painting in gay colors with windows all round that can be shut or opened so that the party at table can enjoy all the beauty and variety of the prospects on both sides as they pass along And truly a trip on this lake is a much more charming recreation than can be enjoyed on land. For on the one side lies the city in its entire length, so that the spectators in the barges, from the distance at which they stand, take in the whole prospect in its full beauty and grandeur, with its numberless palaces, temples, monasteries, and gardens, full of lofty trees sloping to the shore. And the lake is never without a number of other such boats laden with pleasure-parties, for it is the great delight of the citizens here, after they have disposed of the day's business, to pass the afternoon in enjoyment with the ladies of their families, or perhaps with others less reputable, either in these barges or in driving about the city in carriages. Of these latter we must also say something, for they afford one mode of recreation to the citizens in going about the town, as the boats afford another in going about the lake. In the main street of the city you meet an infinite succession of these carriages passing to and fro, They are long-covered vehicles, fitted with curtains and cushions, and affording room for six persons, and they are in constant request for ladies and gentlemen going on parties of pleasure. In these they drive to certain gardens, where they are entertained by the owners in pavilions erected on purpose, and there they divert themselves the live-long day, with their ladies, returning home in the evening in those same carriages. Further Particulars of the Palace of the King Fakhfur The whole enclosure of the palace was divided into three parts. The middle one was entered by a very lofty gate, on each side of which there stood on the ground level vast pavilions, the roofs of which were sustained by columns painted and wrought in gold and the finest azure. Opposite the gate stood the chief pavilion, larger than the rest, and painted in like style, with gilded columns, and a ceiling wrought in splendid gilded sculpture, whilst the walls were artfully painted with the stories of departed kings. On certain days, sacred to the gods, the king, Fakfur used to hold a great court and give a feast to his chief lords, dignitaries, and rich manufacturers of the city of Kinze. On such occasions, those pavilions used to give ample accommodation for 10,000 persons sitting at table. This court lasted for 10 or 12 days, and exhibited an astonishing and incredible spectacle in the magnificence of the guests, all clothed in silk and gold with a profusion of precious stones for they tried to outdo each other in the splendour and richness of their appointments behind this great pavilion that faced the great gate there was a wall with a passage in it shutting off the inner part of the palace on entering this you found another great edifice in the form of a cloister surrounded by a portico with columns from which opened a variety of apartments for the king and the queen adorned like the outer walls with such elaborate work as we have mentioned from the cloister again you passed into a covered corridor six paces in width of great length and extending to the margin of the lake on either side of this corridor were ten courts in the form of oblong cloisters surrounded by colonnades and in each cloister or court were fifty chambers with gardens to each in these chambers were quartered one thousand young ladies in the service of the king The king would sometimes go with the queen and some of these maidens to take his diversion on the lake, or to visit the idle temples in boats all canopied with silk. The other two parts of the enclosure were distributed in groves and lakes and charming gardens planted with fruit trees, and preserves for all sorts of animals such as roe, red deer, fallow deer, hares, and rabbits. Here the king used to take his pleasure in company with those damsels of his, some in carriages, some on horseback. Whilst No, man was permitted to enter Sometimes the king would set the girls a coursing after the game with dogs and when they were tired They would hide to the groves that overhung the lakes and leaving their clothes there They would come forth naked and enter the water and swim about hither and thither Whilst it was the king's delight to watch them and then all would return home Sometimes the king would have his dinner carried to those groves which were dense with lofty trees and there would be waited on by those young ladies and thus he passed his life in this constant dalliance with women, without so much as knowing what arms meant. And the result of all this cowardice and effeminacy was that he lost his dominion to the great Khan in that base and shameful way that you have heard. All this account was given me by a very rich merchant of Kinze when I was in that city. He was a very old man, and had been in familiar intimacy with the king Fakhfur, and knew the whole history of his life, and having seen the palace in its glory, was pleased to be my guide over it as it is occupied by the king appointed by the great Khan, the first pavilions are still maintained as they used to be, but the apartments of the ladies are all gone to ruin, and can only just be traced. So also the wall that enclosed the groves and gardens is fallen down, and neither trees nor animals are there any longer. Chapter 78 Treating of the Great Yearly Revenue that the Great Khan Hath from Kinsey now i will tell you about the great revenue which the great khan draweth every year from the said city of Kinze and its territory which forms a ninth part of the whole country of manzi first there is the salt which brings in a great revenue for it produces every year in round numbers fourscore tomans of gold and the toman is worth seventy thousand sagi of gold so that the total value of the fourscore tomans will be five millions and six hundred thousand sagi of gold each saggio being worth more than a gold florin or ducat, in sooth a vast sum of money. This province you see adjoins the ocean, on the shores of which are many lagoons or salt marshes, in which the seawater dries up during the summertime, and thence they extract such a quantity of salt as suffices for the supply of five of the kingdoms of Manzi besides this one. Having told you of the revenue from salt, I will now tell you of that which accrues to the great Khan from the duties on merchandise and other matters." you must know that in this city and its dependencies they make great quantities of sugar as indeed they do in the other eight divisions of this country so that i believe the whole of the rest of the world together does not produce such a quantity at least if that be true which many people have told me and the sugar alone again produces an enormous revenue however i will not repeat the duties on every article separately but tell you how they go in the lump well, all spicery pays three and a third per cent on the value, and all merchandise likewise pays three and a third per cent. But seaborne goods from India and other distant countries pay ten per cent. The rice wine also makes a great return, and coals, of which there is a great quantity. And so do the twelve guilds of craftsmen that I told you of, with their twelve thousand stations apiece, for every article they make pays duty. And the silk which is produced in such abundance makes an immense return. But why should i make a long story of it the silk you must know pays ten percent and many other articles also pay ten percent and you must know that monsieur marco polo who relates all this was several times sent by the great khan to inspect the amount of his customs and revenue from this ninth part of manzi and here he found it to be exclusive of the salt revenue which we have mentioned already two hundred and ten tomens of gold equivalent to fourteen million seven hundred thousand sagi of gold one of the most enormous revenues that ever was heard of. And if the sovereign has such a revenue from one-ninth part of the country, you may judge what he must have from the whole of it. However, to speak the truth, this part is the greatest and most productive. And because of the great revenue that the great Khan derives from it, it is his favorite province, and he takes all the more care to watch it well, and to keep the people contented. Now we will quit this city and speak of others. Chapter 79 of the city of Tanpiju and others. When you leave Kinze and travel a day's journey to the southeast, through a plenteous region, passing a succession of dwellings and charming gardens, you reach the city of Tanpiju, a great, rich, and fine city under Kinze. The people are subject to the Khan and have paper money and are idolaters, and burn their dead in the way described before. They live by trade and manufactures and handicrafts, and have all the necessaries in great plenty and cheapness. But there is no more to be said about it, so we proceed, and I will tell you of another city called Vuju, at three days' distance from Tanpiju. The people are idolaters, etc., and the city is under Kinze. They live by trade and manufactures. Traveling through a succession of towns and villages that look like one continuous city two days further on to the southeast, you find the great and fine city of Guiju which is under Kinze. The people are idolaters etc. They have plenty of silk and live by trade and handicrafts and have all things necessary in abundance. At this city you find the largest and longest canes that are in all Manzi. They are full 4 palms in girth and 15 paces in length. When you have left Guiju you travel 4 days southeast through a beautiful country in which towns and villages are very numerous. There is abundance of game both in beasts and birds, and there are very large and fierce lions. After those four days you come to the great and fine city of Chan-shan. It is situated upon a hill which divides the river, so that one portion flows up country and the other down. It is still under the government of Kinze. I should tell you that in all the country of Manzi they have no sheep, though they have beeves and kine, goats and kids and swine in abundance. The people are idolaters here etc. When you leave Changshan, you travel three days through a very fine country with many towns and villages, traders and craftsmen, and abounding in game of all kinds, and arrive at the city of Kuju. The people are idolaters, etc., and live by trade and manufactures. It is a fine, noble, and rich city, and is the last of the government of Kinze in this direction. The other kingdom which we now enter, called Fuju, is also one of the nine great divisions of Manzi, as Kinze is chapter eighty concerning the kingdom of fuju on leaving kuju which is the last city of the kingdom of kinze you enter the kingdom of fuju and travel six days in a southeasterly direction through a country of mountains and valleys in which are a number of towns and villages with great plenty of victuals and abundance of game lions great and strong are also very numerous the country produces ginger and gallingale in immense quantities insomuch that for a venice groat you may buy fourscore pounds of good fine flavored ginger they have also a kind of a fruit resembling saffron and which serves the purpose of saffron just as well and you must know the people eat all manner of unclean things even the flesh of a man provided he has not died a natural death so they look out for the bodies of those that have been put to death and eat their flesh which they consider excellent Those who go to war in those parts do as I am going to tell you. They shave the hair off the forehead and cause it to be painted in blue, like the blade of a glaive. They all go afoot except the chief. They carry spears and swords, and are the most savage people in the world, for they go about constantly killing people, whose blood they drink, and then devour the bodies. Now I will quit this and speak of other matters." You must know, then, that after going three days out of the six that I told you of, you come to the city of Kelenfu, a very great and noble city, belonging to the great Khan. This city hath three stone bridges, which are among the finest and best in the world. They are a mile long, and some nine paces in width, and they are all decorated with rich marble columns. Indeed, they are such fine and marvellous works, that to build any of them must have cost a treasure." The people live by trade and manufactures and have great store of silk which they weave into various stuffs and of ginger and gallingale They also make much cotton cloth of dyed thread which is sent all over monzi Their women are particularly beautiful and there is a strange thing there which I needs must tell you You must know they have a kind of fowls which have no feathers, but hair only like a cat's fur They are black all over They lay eggs just like our fowls and are very good to eat. In the other three days of the six that I have mentioned above, you continue to meet with many towns and villages with traders and goods for sale and craftsmen. The people have much silk and are idolaters and subject to the great Khan. There is plenty of game of all kinds and there are great and fierce lions which attack travelers. In the last of those three days' journey, when you have gone fifteen miles, you find a city called Uncan, where there is an immense quantity of sugar made from this city the great khan gets all the sugar for the use of his court a quantity worth a great amount of money and before this city came under the great khan these people knew not how to make fine sugar they only used to boil and skim the juice which when cold left a black paste but after they came under the great khan some men of babylonia who happened to be at the court proceeded to this city, and taught the people to refine the sugar with ashes of certain trees. There is no more to say of the place, so now we shall speak of the splendor of Fuju. When you have gone fifteen miles from the city of Uncan, you come to this noble city, which is the capital of the kingdom. So we will now tell you what we know of it. Chapter 81. Concerning the Greatness of the City of Fuju Now this city of Fuju is the key of the kingdom which is called Chonka, and which is one of the nine great divisions of Manzi. The city is a seat of great trade and great manufactures. The people are idolaters and subject to the great Khan. And a large garrison is maintained there by that prince to keep the kingdom in peace and subjection, for the city is one which is apt to revolt on very slight provocation. There flows through the middle of this city a great river, which is about a mile in width, and many ships are built at the city which are launched upon this river. Enormous quantities of sugar are made there And there is a great traffic in pearls and precious stones. For many ships of India come to these parts, bringing many merchants who traffic about the isles of the Indies. For this city is, you see, in the vicinity of the ocean port of Zaytan, which is greatly frequented by the ships of India with their cargoes of various merchandise. And from Zaytan the vessels pass on to the city of Fuju by the river I have told you of. And tis in this city that the precious wares of India come hither the city is really a fine one and kept in good order and all necessaries of life are there to be had in great abundance and cheapness chapter 82 of the city and great haven of zayton now when you quit fujū and cross the river you travel for 5 days southeast through a fine country meeting with a constant succession of flourishing cities towns and villages rich in every product you travel by mountains and valleys and plains and in some places by great forests in which are many of the trees which give camphor there is plenty of game on the road both of bird and beast the people are all traders and craftsmen subjects of the great khan and under the government of fuju when you have accomplished those five days journey you arrive at the very great and noble city of Zaytan, which is also subject to fuju at this city you must know is the haven of Zaytan, frequented by all the ships of india which bring thither spicery and all other kinds of costly wares it is the port also that is frequented by all the merchants of manzi for hither is imported the most astonishing quantity of goods and of precious stones and pearls and from this they are distributed all over manzi and i assure you that for one shipload of pepper that goes to alexandria or elsewhere destined for christendom there come a hundred such aye and more too to this haven of Zaytan, for it is one of the two greatest havens in the world for commerce the great khan derives a very large revenue from the duties paid in this city and haven for you must know that on all the merchandise imported including precious stones and pearls he levies a duty of ten per cent or in other words takes tithe of everything then again the ship's charge for freight on small wares is thirty per cent on pepper, 44%, and on lignalos, sandalwood, and other bulky goods, 40%, so that between freight and the Khan's duties, the merchant has to pay a good half the value of his investment, though on the other half he makes such a profit that he is always glad to come back with a new supply of merchandise. But you may well believe from what I have said that the Khan hath a vast revenue from this city. There is great abundance here of all provision for every necessity of man's life, it is a charming country, and the people are very quiet and fond of an easy life. Many come hither from Upper India to have their bodies painted with the needle in the way we have elsewhere described, there being many adepts at this craft in the city. Let me tell you also that in this province there is a town called Tiunju, where they make vessels of porcelain of all sizes, the finest that can be imagined. They make it nowhere but in that city, and thence it is exported all over the world. Here it is abundant and very cheap, insomuch that, for a Venice groat, you can buy three dishes so fine that you could not imagine better. I should tell you that in this city they have a peculiar dialect, for you must know that throughout all Manzi they employ one language and one kind of writing only, but yet there are local differences of dialect, as you might say of Genoese, Milanese, Florentines, and Neapolitans, who, though they speak different dialects, can understand one another." And I assure you the great Khan has as large customs and revenues from this kingdom of Chonka as from Kinzei I and more too We have now spoken of but three of the nine kingdoms of Manzi to wit Yanju and Kinze and Fuju We could tell you about the other six, but it would be too long a business So we will say no more about them And now you have heard all the truth about Cathay and Manzi and many other countries as has been set down in this book the customs of the people and the various objects of commerce, the beasts and birds, the gold and silver and precious stones, and many other matters have been rehearsed to you. But our book as yet does not contain nearly all that we purpose to put therein, for we have still to tell you all about the people of India, and the notable things of that country, which are well worth the describing, for they are marvellous indeed. What we shall tell is all true, and without any lies and we shall set down all the particulars in writing, just as Monsieur Marco Polo related them. And he well knew the facts, for he remained so long in India, and inquired so diligently into the manners and peculiarities of the nations, that I can assure you there never was a single man before who learned so much and beheld so much as he did. End of section 9